0: I am Plant on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia, at thecommentary.ca. The documentary "Anything for Fame" uh, will be released online at the National Film Board of Canada's website shortly. Uh, and I'm joined now by the film's director and producer, Tyler Funk. In the bo- in the movie, we meet young influencers who uh, do nearly anything uh, to get attention from the internet in the name of creating content. We see people uh, we see people engage in pranks and hijinks for likes and views. Uh, there are others uh, who promote products or themselves, and, and whether it's for notoriety or profit, the risks and effects are seldom considered. In the film, we're not just introduced to a variety of these online personalities, but personalities. But we see their lives behind their cell phones, camera, their circumstances, and the consequences of contemporary celebrity. Tyler Funk wrote, produced, and directed this film, and I'll ask him about what he set out to document and reveal the cinematographer is Peter Planta, who also joins us, and in the spirit of full disclosure, he is my cousin. I'll uh, ask them about working on this production, the challenges of uh, making a movie like this logistically and ethically. Visit nfb.ca to stream the film, and for more information, the film is a North of Now Films and National Film Board of Canada co-production, produced by uh, Tyler Funk, Sebastian Mercado, and Shirley Verquise. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program Tyler Funk and Peter Planta, Mr. Funk, good morning. Good morning. Mr. Plante, good morning. Good morning. Um, congratulations on on this movie. I saw it uh, a few months ago on Paramount Plus. I guess we can still see it on Paramount Plus, right? That's correct. Um, the thing that that uh, I was curious about as I was I um, I watched it a, a few months ago and then I, I rewatched bits of it in the last day or so. Um, what was the motivation to make this film? I mean, were, were these people that you? Um, enjoyed watching or or, or was this something that you the theme in the film about fame was this something that you wanted to look at how did you come to make this movie
1: yeah that's that's a great question um and you know it's it's a bit deeper for me so i grew up kind of pre-internet right i'm 35 so i kind of had that experience of you know i'm sure like you of seeing what the internet did to us and how it changed us uh and i grew up um in a very small friend group and we uh, all wanted to come make films in Vancouver. Uh, within our friend group was one fil- friend who took a lot of crazy risks. He'd jump in front of trains. He'd do the most ridiculous things just to entertain the five people around him, the people at the party, whoever, a small group. Um, but I saw that pressure kind of playing on him and also understood a little bit of, you know, that he had some real demons. I'd known him since grade two. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up uh, committing suicide. Um, and that really, you know, that was when we were 18, we were at film school together. We were roommates together. Um, Sebastian Mercado, we all grew up together, us three kids. Um, and so that always really stuck with me of how these calls for attention can often be a cry for help. Mm -hmm. And so when I was seeing these different people on the internet pushing these extremes, I wanted to get to know them and get to know what their backstories were and what their motivations were. Was it just for money? Was it a performance thing? What was going on in their lives? Who were they? Um, and that's what really started me down this path of kind of asking a little bit more rather than, wow, this is
0: some crazy shit I'm seeing online, mm-hmm. to what's happening, what's the story here? And that's the thing that I noticed as I was watching the film, was that, that the, the, the way people became famous, say 25 years ago, 30 years ago, as opposed to today, it's very different. And um, because this is sort of the first generation that's going into all of this, using the Internet as they do, um, we, we don't really know how it turns out or what the consequences are. You, you, you shed some light. Into obviously the risks in in this sort of lifestyle, um, in terms of depicting what you do in the film, was there any discussion as to to how you wanted to depict these people, and did they have an input into how they were viewed? Say,
1: you know, not really, to be honest. Like we we shot for seventy days, uh, and we interviewed at the beginning over two hundred different influencers. So it was quite a, a process of the stories that we found um, were you know, people that were really going to these extremes, going to this anything for fame kind of idea. Um, and it, again, I think it's so different. If you, When I was a kid, you know, you're coming up, you're trying to be an actor or an athlete. There was a set path that you could follow. Uh, and that's all gone. Now you can almost make the loudest noise. And then if you catch that energy, what do you do with it? And that's the problem we found a lot, right? Some of the creators in the film, they they knew how to get famous, but didn't know what to do once they got there. Um, and we just wanted to tell everyone's story As we saw it, you know, obviously they're all social media influencers, so they have their story online and a presentation of who they are online and you can go watch it and you can follow their socials. But I think it's very different than what you see in the film um, as we really get a deeper look into them, their families and their lives. Because
0: ethically, it could be a a way for them to promote themselves
1: even, right? For sure. And, you know, like we we had to draw the line with a few influencers where we actually cut out from the film uh, because we got the sense we weren't getting enough access they were trying to control the image. Uh, they wanted us to, you know, we had one influencer who only wanted us to film with them at night because mm. they were a party person. We're like, well, no, you got to wake up in the morning. What's that like? That's the story that we are interested in. Of what's this whole lifestyle and how does it affect your life uh, to make it a show on the Internet?
0: Peter, when you uh, film these people, because we in, in the film or even if you, if you um, haven't seen the film yet, some of the people in the film you know um, – is there a conscious decision as to how you depict them as to how they like to themselves to look the way that they present themselves i mean do, do they do they um does that play an influence on in how you shoot someone say um i guess
2: we take into into context like kind of their character but for the most part it's a lot of what they're giving us kind of dictates how i shoot it and that's part of us trying to like really get to to who they are as a person. Um, so that that's probably the bigger influence rather than trying to look at what their personality um, online is.
0: Yeah. And so e- even if it's just uh, a talking head thing where, where you're interviewing someone, uh, do they have a say as to, to which part of the room they sit in? No, that was all us.
2: Uh, for the most part, we're trying to find just the best-looking background for them and um, – from our early talks uh, in pre-production, we wanted to uh, shoot them in a way that's reminiscent of the direct-to-camera and how, like, influence usually um, communicate with our audiences. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we made the decision to do a lot of direct address
0: interviews. Tyler, how do you direct a cinematographer? I mean, are, are there a lot of meetings before you actually shoot as to what you want to see? Yeah,
1: you know, I think for every project it's very different, you know. Um, I think for this one it was a lot of just trust and having the right cinematographer on board, right, and trusting his instincts um, or her instincts, you know, whoever we were working with. Um, but for this one what we really wanted to do was establish a look, and we, we talked about that a lot up front, and then you just kind of go for the ride. Um, I'm kind of there hanging out with people, talking, getting to know them. You know, when you're watching the film, you're really seeing the collection of my conversations over a year with these people. Mm-hmm. And I have to trust that my cinematographer will get great images along the way um, and kind of remove myself from staring at a screen and, like, worrying about that kind of stuff. So I think it's just a huge level of trust, and you you trust that the reference images that you guys are communicating on the same page.
0: I would think that being a camera person, a cameraman or cinematographer, I guess is the correct title, uh, would be a tedious job, is it? Uh, No, I don't find it tedious at all.
2: Um, In fact, it keeps me pretty focused. Um, and yeah, I guess like every time we come to a new place, uh, like I'm pretty stimulated in terms of like, Oh, where can I yeah. find a nice frame? Where is the light nice? Uh, and then it kind of just gets my brain working, um, uh, and excited to, to just shoot things. Is there room for spontaneity? Um, Tyler made it really easy to be spontaneous where I had the freedom to tell him like hey i think we should shoot it from this side or i don't even have to tell him like he knows and he trusts me to just find nice frames and uh take it from there
0: are you listening to the conversations as they're taking place
2: uh yes yes i am
0: yeah and and but you're not concerned about how it sounds like that's a, I guess a sound person does that right? Uh,
2: yes, we yeah. had uh, Sebastian Mercado was doing sound while we were out in the field.
0: You mentioned Tyler a moment ago that it was 200 people that you thought about in terms of making this film. Um, it, by the time you get to I can't remember was it four or five that we actually see in the movie. How how do you whittle it down? I mean you you did mention that there were there were some horror stories in terms of of um, that, not horror stories, but I mean things that, that people were expecting that you didn't want, say.
1: Yeah, I, I think horror stories are fair. I think a <laughs> huge part of this shoot, I mean, the amount of canceled flights, canceled hotel rooms, um, you know, you're communicating with a group of people you don't know, mm-hmm. a group of kids, or I shouldn't say kids, a group of youth. Young people. W- young yeah. people, right? Yeah. I feel like an old man when I'm hanging around with them. <laughs> Uh, and you know, they don't really care about you some days, you know? So like we, you know, working with Jake who, you know, I'm quite close with now, but you know, it took us over a year to try and set a date with him, you know, cause he had other stuff going on. He wasn't sure about us, you know, it's a back and forth and it's building that trust. Um, same with Ava. Initially she was a hundred percent down, uh-huh. we were ready to go film and then she dropped off. Her agent didn't want her to be in the film. Uh, and then one day we. Uh, we're just, you know, in L.A., and we're like, well, what do we do when we get to New York? we got some extra days. And so I picked up the phone, called Ava, and she was like, yeah, I'm, of course I'm down to film. And then, you know, she becomes uh, the lead in the film. So there's an element of being very flexible. And I think, you know, from all the research we'd done, uh, we'd really seen a lot of different patterns with influencers and, and verticals of what career they take, and that allowed us to be flexible of who we
0: story we we're going to tell, depending on who's willing to give us access and trust us. And uh, navigating the ethics of it, uh, because you don't really want to exploit these people. Yeah. Um, so some may, may wish you to do that for, for their own benefit, but um, was that something that was difficult to navigate as opposed to, say, any other project that you might do? Totally. Um, you know, I think the, really the big thing for for me in this,
1: in the casting process, was really being aware that the people were aware that it was a game, that social media is a game, mm-hmm. and, and get that story. Because there are people that have gone viral that are not necessarily aware of that, that they went viral for the wrong reasons. They got bullied or a clip went of them, and now they're kind of chasing this thing. Um, or they're living in a bit of a different reality than us. And we really wanted people that could share their stories from the perspective of they had a plan, you know? Um, and, you know, people like Jamani like, we really wanted to tell his story right. When he blew up for the, uh, the viral videos of, in Subway restaurants, mm-hmm. like he was being contacted by everyone, you know, TMZ, like national press. And, you know, he really chose to go with us to share his story because there was an element of trust there because we'd had, we'd chat on the phone and he knew that we weren't just looking for a five second clip of, you know, this guy does crazy stuff and that's all who he is. Yeah.
0: You know, what about the mental health aspect of it? Cause we see some of these people in the film, uh, break down. Um, we see the, uh, the, consequences of, of this on one's mental health, uh, in depicting that, You obviously had to be careful in in how you portray that on on the screen in a film. Um, What kind of discussions did you have with with some of these people who who did find it challenging? You know... Because, just to interrupt you for a sec, because this is probably the first time that someone's confronted them with this.
1: Yeah, like it, you know, it's kind of new space. and We kind of lend ourselves... I lend myself really as a listener when we're in these conversations and I'm not really like forcing anyone to share. Um, I'm there to listen and to follow their leads on where they're kind of, where they're at, you know, what is their experience like? And, and that's where we got to some really heavy, heavy stuff. Um, and then it's following up, right? You see the film, which is 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, these are all year, multi-year long relationships I have with these individuals. And, you know, I think about them quite often and, and we stay in touch and, you know, it's it's an interesting process as a documentary filmmaker where you create all these new friends of people you really have nothing in common with. Um, and they become a big part of your life, and you worry about them. And so it, does it take
0: long, then, to build that sort of trust?
1: It did. It's a process. You know, we shot with everyone multiple times. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time going back and forth. And, you know, I think for the next film, we'll probably do it even more. Spend more time with the individuals, because I think just the deeper you get, the more story you get the more you understand their world. And, and the deeper you get into the individuals, the more I think
0: others can see the film and see elements of their life within it. It's very easy to, to, to start the film, even before you start the film, to have an opinion as to what these people do and who they are. And um, the, the arresting part of your film is that you you um, the, the, the viewer is disabused of, say, any judgment they might have. Um, and that's something that I think a thoughtful filmmaker... Uh, probably work to want to convey to the audience. I mean, is, is that something that you were definitely concerned about, right? You you just weren't there to to make something entertaining, right? Oh, of course, yeah. No, we. I mean, there's like a million.
1: It's like the cheapest type of journalism you can do, of like, hey, a crazy influencer flew a plane and jumped out of it and crashed it, or you know, you'll you'll see those articles come up every month where there's something about how influencers are desperate for attention. Um, but the reality is we all are. We all are desperate for attention. We're all desperate for people to notice us, for us to be relevant. Um, and we all do different things for that, but it's all, you know, it's worth exploring. And I think, you know, it's people are very quick to write off influencers because they maybe don't understand what it's like
0: growing up mm-hmm. on the Internet and the different rules of this world now. Uh, d- d- Peter, did um, some of the folks that, that you all filmed, um, because they saw you with a camera, did, did they ask you for tips as to how to, 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 say, perhaps frame themselves better when they do their own videos and such?
2: Uh, funny enough, they didn't. Most of <laughs> them had it locked down, but, like, they'd sometimes have friends that, like, came to, to you know, check out the shoot or whatever it was. And they were always the ones that, like, oh, hey, how do I improve my my lighting? How do I improve my framing? Like, do I buy this piece of gear? Do I buy that piece of gear? And those are usually the most common questions I get. Um, yeah, just from from their friends as opposed to the influencers themselves.
0: And do you find that people are more more savvy in terms of how to how to film themselves because of the pandemic? Um,
2: I feel that definitely played a part with uh, a lot of people going out to buy gear because they're bored, getting a and, light and things like that. Yeah, right exactly, now. and and kind of experimenting with that. But a lot of the influencers we we're working with are definitely still just like taking their phone out and, and doing videos with that.
0: Your camera goes into some very intimate spaces sometimes in this film. Um, I said a moment ago that your job is probably tedious. Is it claustrophobic at all? It's probably not something, if you are claustrophobic, the line of work that you want to get into, right?
2: Um, I always joke that I get put in some really interesting positions uh, with my camera, uh, be it, like, in closets or in a bathtub or wherever it is. So, um, like, Claustrophobia is almost part of the job, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, it doesn't affect me too much, I guess.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you, Tyler, about the budget for this. One would assume that it's a very lavish budget if it's a, if it's a Paramount production or a, or a, um, I guess Paramount's distributing it or a National Film Board production. Um, I understand it was 70 days, was it? Yes, that's right. And correct. it wasn't lavish, right? <laughs> no, not really. I mean,
1: I mean it's so...
0: I don't know. I mean, it felt in a way
1: it was, and it wasn't. Like, I feel grateful for all the travel. Uh, you know, we were sitting, for the most part, coach at the back of the plane with, like, seven bags carrying on. I think we could have used another hand helping us carry bags. Yeah. That's probably the biggest logistical thing where I'm like, man, I wish we had more money for this. Um, the post-production team was extremely small. Um, but, you know, I think the budget, we, we, we wanted as much time to shoot, and that's why our team was three people. Right, we could have we could have done spent the same amount of money and shot probably if you did it more standard. I think even by NFB standards, uh, you would have had double the amount of people on set, and we would have had less than half the travel days because once you get into per, dire, per, yeah, per diems, yeah. uh hotels, flights, it's a lot more than just people's fees, right? Yeah. Um, and so we knew we had to be a small team, and I I think that really benefited the film for that intimate access, right? It's when you're coming into someone's space as a stranger. The less of you, the better.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing that, that struck me as I was watching the film is, is, is right off the bat, um, a mood is conveyed. And I, I don't know if that's the lighting, if that's the music. I mean, these, I guess, are decisions that a director makes. Um, in terms of how one feels by the end of the film, um, I mean, a, a director can be manipulative in that sort of way. Was there a... Um, what, are, what are people telling you in terms of, of how they feel after they see the film and, and um, do you congratulate yourself for having brought them to that place, say? I do. I think we achieved the goal. You know, like, I
1: think we wanted to really bring people in, entertain them. I think, first and foremost, every film has to be entertaining, no matter what it is. Uh, got to entertain your audience. you got to respect your audience. And, you know, our, our film kind of starts off with a lot of, you know, eye candy, big visuals, big statements, and we see the flashiness. And then we get deeper into our characters, and I think by that point, you're quite connected to them, and you have some empathy uh, and it, I think it challenges the viewer to really, you know, ask themselves, well, what do you think of Jake or Ava or mm-hmm. Um
0: And it's a lot more complex. Uh, yeah, Yeah. I mean, I, I, as I said, I, I, I came into the film with some notion that I thought of, of what I thought of some of these people. And then, and then um, for some of them, it changed. For some of them, it didn't change. Well, what's your favorite color? Pink. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, we see a lot of pink in the film. Yeah. Um, so that, that was obviously on purpose. Yeah. I think that pink against
1: black, it's kind of like that, like neon of the back streets kind of vibe. Um, and I think that's social media, right? Yeah. It's that, it's that glitzy look. Um, but then it's
0: also there alone in the night. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it conveys such a mood because it, um, you can see the isolation, the loneliness even sometimes. And, um, you can see the pink has a certain way of refracting i guess the the, the it, it's uh flashy enough so that you think it's well lit or or, or lit altogether um are, are there um other moods that you you wanted us to feel when you were
1: yeah you know i think our biggest thing was we really wanted to you know we had discussions at the beginning of this of like you know how do we how do we bring the experience of scrolling on your phone to cinema you know um and it has to have that fast pacing, that energy of, and that eclecticness, right? Like it's all over the place. But then also when you think about it, it's not. It's These are a lot of the main channels that creators who are trying to be provocative end down. You know, you can end up taking this route or that route, risking yourself, risking your personal relationships to get attention. Um, and yeah, that's what we really wanted was like, what is that cinematic version of, you know, doom scrolling?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter, the, uh, as Tyler mentioned, the, the, there's more than one interview with, with um, these subjects. Is the way that you shoot them the same throughout? Or or does it change because of, say, what they're talking about?
2: Um, like Again, we kind of stuck to the visual language that we had set in pre-production with the one direct address camera and then the off angle. And the only thing that changes, like, obviously the locations and... Um, the approach to, to frame in lighting, though, that was a pretty consistent thing that we kept through the film, just to, to keep that visual language the same.
0: The, 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 I've never done a, a, a television news story. I've refused to do it because I, I, I don't like that thing that they after they interview you, um, sometimes they'll have, because you only have one camera, they'll want to uh, interview you from the other side to get your whatever, you know, or, or that thing that we always see on the evening news of the person walking down the street, Doing nothing, and I, I I I swore that I'll never do television, because I don't want to walk down the street and just just aimlessly do that for the benefit of the camera. Um, when you uh, f- film these people and, and you are in these intimate spaces, um, do, do you see the vulnerability that that that, that we see um, in the film? I mean, as I said a moment ago, we we feel certain things about these people in the movie. Um, what is it like to see that up close? I mean, at the moment that they're, say, revealing themselves or breaking down even? Yeah. Well, I get, like, the vibe
2: that they're giving, and that kind of um, affects how I'm shooting them. I'm like, oh, this is a moment where they're feeling low and lonely, and so I want to kind of represent that visually as well and just find an angle where I can show that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, like, am I'm feeling, um, in a way what they're feeling, and trying trying to translate as best I can that visually.
0: And cameras nowadays, uh, you you don't have because uh, in the old days you used to if you wanted to go up close to someone right away, you could, you would see the the thing move right away. You don't you don't do that now. You can do a lot of that in post, right? Uh, I was very
2: adamant that we don't do any of that in post, (laughs) uh, even if we have higher resolution cameras and everything like that. Um, uh, There is something to be said about actually being close and intimate with a camera as opposed to uh, being far away and zooming in. And that's actually something we learned in, in the shoot, where sometimes maybe we were too intimate, and it doesn't make sense for these people to be having a conversation with a camera so close to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like I see that on Instagram all the time, where they 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 get a reaction shot from someone in the in the wide shot, if you will, and 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 um, it's jarring to see that sometimes (laughs) because you're you're up close to someone when you're not used to seeing seeing them like that. Um, Tyler, when because the the film has been available now on on Paramount Plus for a while, and it'll be wider on the NFB's uh, website and their apps. what have the, the the subjects in the film, what have they said to you about what they think about how they, they look in the movie? Yeah, so I was
1: incredibly nervous, um, but I wanted everyone to see it before it came out on Paramount, because um, I thought that was the fair thing to do. They'd given us so much of their lives. I didn't want anyone to be surprised or shocked. Um, Jake absolutely loved it. Uh, he was over the moon. He, um, you know, I think for him, obviously, Jackass has played such a big role in his life, and to see Paramount in front of the film, mm-hmm. you know, next to Jackass Four, I think was a pretty powerful thing for him. Um, Jumani also, we we weren't sure. We, you know, we kind of lost communication with him for a while, um, and then he watched the film, and he, I think, he watched it back to back three times. Mm-hmm. And he really thanked us. I mean, he shared so much with us. I think he was probably the most nervous of how we were going to portray him. Um, And in the end, he was extremely grateful for how we did it. And, um, yeah, he he was a huge fan of the film, loved it. Um, Same with uh, Ava. I think it really landed for her. Um, It's a very different side for her and, you know, her business online and who she sells versus that part of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really excited both Ava and Jake are going to be coming out for, uh, screening in Vancouver. Um, and I'm really, you know, I feel, I feel like we got it right. The fact that everyone can watch it and enjoys the film, um, and that
0: no one has called me yet and said, Hey, you screwed up my story. Um, and I think that's important. Yeah. And it's a great document too. I mean, people look at this five years hence and see all the apps that they no longer use or, 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 um, all these things that, that, uh that um were once you know prolific and now everything's changed technologically and otherwise right um i i mentioned 70 days a moment ago in terms of um the the length of the shoot um you mentioned flights uh, there was a great deal of travel what are some of the places that you went to
1: yeah, so we spent a lot of time filming around Los Angeles. Um, you know, I think the whole promise with the Internet is you can be famous from anywhere, but you still kind of end up in Los Angeles if you're trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's amazing the power of that place. So a lot of time in Los Angeles, uh, a lot of time in the Midwest, in Milwaukee, Detroit, Chicago, uh, and then up to Pennsylvania, um, and we shot a bit in uh, a lot of New Jersey, New York, mm-hmm. Um, Whitby, Ontario, Nanaimo. You know, we were really all over the place. Like, the influencers traveled so much. We would kind of come home, edit two weeks of footage, and say, hey, where where are you going to be at next week? What's going on? And then we'd try and connect and say, hey, we'll book flights, and we'll meet you there. Um, You know, we shot down outside of Houston. You know, we really, it was an amazing shoot in that sense of getting to see so much of America. And, you know, this was all in in Canada and and during a pandemic, you know. um, The amount of times we had those... I remember those, those COVID tests where they really shove it up your nose. Um, you know, I, I got old pretty fast, yeah. um, but that was all part of it.
0: Yeah, so the thing I, I noticed as, as I was watching the film was I, I, I felt the loneliness that that you're trying to convey. And then I realized that, yeah, this was shot during the pandemic where there weren't a lot of people in a lot of these big spaces, right?
1: Exactly. And that's where, you know, a lot of our influencers were really creating content by themselves at home. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so different when you see someone on Instagram and think, wow, like they have a million followers. They must have this huge social life. Uh, but most of the days, kind of hanging out by themselves. And it's a very lonely, weird place. Even if you make money, yeah. I remember one of them saying like, well, what the hell do you do all day? Yeah. You don't have yeah. a job. Uh, and it's still trying to figure out, you can't be posting all the time.
0: Did, did you ask any of the subjects in the film, uh, for any advice as to, to how to go viral? You know, we didn't. We probably just showed up a bit, you know, like they, they all had like different great models.
1: Um, and you know, they're all fantastic marketers. Um, and I think, you know, first off, I I should say I'm extremely grateful. I think the national film board and the Telus fund really took a risk on us for this film. I think they really allowed us a lot of freedom and to tell stories that were very current and, and, and risky. Um, and I think the marketing ideas from our creators would have been past that line. <laughs> uh, but probably great.
0: So, the, Tyler, you and Peter um, and your, your other collaborators, you, you uh, for the most part, I guess, all met at film school. Is that correct? Uh,
1: yeah. Sebastian and I grew up together in Banff, Alberta. So we've known each other since grade two. And then we made the decision to go to UBC together. Uh, and so we've a company together for 10 years. And we met Peter at film school. And just a natural fit. I think the whole joys of filmmaking is you get to work with who you want to. Or, yeah. you know, if you're in that position, like, why wouldn't you work with your best friends? And, you know, that that makes the energy to go each day on set and to drive all around
0: the continent worth it. You get to know someone quite quickly on a, on a uh, close film set like or film production like this, don't you? You really do. Yeah.
1: I mean, you're, you're literally living together. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, 70 days, the three of us were a little little family. Um, and it was fantastic.
0: Peter, um there's a lot of carrying of things i guess in 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 your line of work isn't there indeed there is yeah um as technology changes do you think that that'll uh, your load will be less say um well even from when
2: i started the cameras now are a lot lighter than um they like when i started yeah. like 12 years ago um so yeah already the that technology is getting more miniaturized and everything like that but like Tyler said earlier, there's still so many cases and bags that we have to carry for, for everything else, though.
0: How do you react to people who uh, say that, uh, well, I can do what you do with my phone? I usually say,
2: <laughs> okay, I'll, I'd like to see that.
0: Um, have you had you guys work together before?
1: We had, yeah. We'd shot a couple commercials, uh, did a commercial for Sears, a musical number, mm-hmm. uh, one time, and yeah. This is our first time really jumping, and, and we actually shot a little doc series for the Telespon back in the day um,
0: in Montreal. That's right. um, and um, so so the door isn't closest to the, uh, either of you working together again, right? No, I think we're just, just figuring out the next one. You know, we've
1: got a few different projects in development, and we're just seeing uh, what drops. What are you uh, working on, Tyler, right now? So we have like... Four different feature documentaries uh, that were in different stages with different production companies pitching. Uh, one is basically a TV series of anything for fame. It's about internet subcultures, mm-hmm. and so we're going to be pitching that to the network soon, and that's just very focused on different subcultures for each episode. Uh, we also have a cooking show with one influencer that we filmed with but never made the film, uh, but she was such a fantastic character that we're now working on that and developing that. Uh, and then there's another a couple other... Um, docs that are a bit like pretty controversial
0: and well i'll wait till they're ready to show yeah the that's the thing I, I i ask people all the time what they're working on next and, and i guess in your line of work because i talked to a, two directors yesterday about um what the, and, and because of ndas and all sorts of things because of this stri- coming out of the strike the, these things can't be revealed or talked about right
1: yeah it's it's an interesting thing and like i think too is like a filmmaker like you have a million projects you want to get made, but what can actually get funding, you know? And that's that's the thing, right? Like, I, I don't like to talk too much. I don't like to excite uh, my team being like, hey, I, I got a project for us, Pete. Like, book six months off, man. We're ready to go until we actually have something ready to go.
0: I would hate as a producer to have to do that hat in hand and ask people for money. I mean, is, is that a lot of your work as a producer? I think as a director, that's most of your work too. Really? You
1: know, because you don't got to be a director, at least in Canada without having a connection to finding the money. Or it's very, very rare. Every director I know, they're a part of that process. Um, and it's the reality, right? Like you're, I think there should be a lot more sales taught in film schools. <laughs> uh,
0: Peter, what are some of the movies that, that um, you liked growing up that um, probably uh, pushed you into this line of work that you pursued? Um. I mean, as I, we grew up together, but I mean, as a kid, did you, did you see films in a way that you thought I want to do that? Uh, definitely not actually. I yeah, I grew
2: up watching so many movies with like our family, and yeah, we went to the theater like every Friday, pretty much, but I'd never thought about it as a career I wanted to pursue. Until uh, our cousin Phil mm-hmm. one summer asked, "Like, hey, you got this new camera? Why don't we go shoot a a film with it?" Um, and from then, like, it just got the ball rolling, basically. And it's like, "You know what? I I could see this as something that I want to do." So,
0: yeah,
2: um, it wasn't necessarily the the movies from when I was a kid, but they obviously have a big influence on me.
0: Yeah,
2: um, in my filmmaking journey.
0: Tyler, as a documentarian. I would assume that, that uh, documentaries are, are your stock and trade in terms of, of, of what you like to watch, say.
1: Yeah, I'd say more so now. Um, you know, when I was coming up through film school, it was all narrative. And, you know, I never even thought I'd make a documentary. Um, you know, this really all just came from one conversation with the NFB where you them a completely different project. And they're like, no, nah, that, that doesn't sound very good. Do you have anything else? And then we, I mentioned this idea that we'd been working on anything for fame. And they're like, that's interesting. Yeah and and suddenly it's like okay we're making a feature doc. Um and it's been fantastic. I think in a, a way for a lot of filmmakers you you get more fascinating stories than you know a lot of trying to write it all on yourself, trying to do everything yourself, trying to deal with a tiny budget. You get so much more you can work with in the doc world, you know. Um and it's an exciting time for documentary
0: filmmaking. I think it's changing so dramatically. Yeah. And it's exciting to be a part of that. And and um is there a particular style that you, enjoy? I noticed there's no narrator in this. That yeah. Was, on, was that on purpose?
1: Yeah. I think like, you know, there's, there's always the version of the doc where you as the filmmaker can play a role in it. Um, I often get annoyed by those. I, I'm like, I don't, I don't care about you filmmaker. I know about filmmakers. I want to hear about the people. Um, and that was the approach, right? We want to say like, Hey, Ava, Jake, Jamani
0: are infinitely more interesting than me. Let's keep it about them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and have you got filmmakers that you say admired that, that you, you perhaps tried to emulate from even, you know, I really try and yeah,
1: always every project. Um, you know, for this one, what we really looked at was a lot of the documentaries on, uh, HBO. Um, they've been doing a great job of like different feature documentaries covering technology. And, and we said, Hey, how are they doing that? What do we like? What do we not like? Uh, I think American meme obviously is a great reference point for this film, where I remember watching that, liking the style, enjoying the film, but really thought they weren't telling the full story of what was going on with influencers. You know, American meme to me is if you got the NBA all-star team in a room and said, hey, this is what it's like to play basketball.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, everyone becomes LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and it's great. Um, and so that was great. You know, it's, it's, it's really inspirational to watch films that are close to yours and say, hey, I think they're missing this part of the story. Let's get
0: into that. I love Ken Burns' films. But the one thing I noticed in in the last little bit as I've been trying to watch everything he's made because I'm catching up really is the music's really loud <laughs> he has he has a great affection for 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 music and 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 unfortunately some some of these things get drilled in your head because they they keep playing the same you know the same eight bars or sixteen bars or whatever um in terms of his filmmaking in in, in documentaries are are we moving away from that say
1: yeah, I think we're moving into a period where there's so much different types of styles that we're going to see. You know, I think, obviously, he's such a legend and, you know, was such a strong voice in the world and it always will be. But now, like, we're seeing films on YouTube that are literally in the mm-hmm. quality of people will watch them for an hour and a half. You know, I never thought before, but, you know, you're seeing people making one films by themselves that are, you know, a feature-length film. And it's such an exciting period because the tools are changing and we're getting so many different stories that I think there's no longer one path or one way to do it. It's more, I think, as a filmmaker, you should be saying, hey, who's my audience? I want to make a film that communicates with them, and then that'll lead me to make these decisions.
0: Peter, this wasn't awkward, was it?
1: No, it was totally
2: fine. (laughs) I mean, I I am nervous uh, whenever I'm put on the spot, but uh, it's just like a conversation.
0: Uh, You mentioned our our cousin Phil a moment ago, and... and, uh, I always thought that it was going to be awkward when we did it, but it turned out pretty good, and I think this has as well.
2: <laughs> I would certainly hope so.
0: <laughs> Tyler, it's a pleasure meeting you. Congratulations and continued good luck with this movie. I appreciate you coming in to do this. Likewise. Uh, hopefully we'll be back with our next one. Indeed. Peter, nice to see you again. Likewise. likewise. We, <laughs> we live so close to each other we rarely see each other. Yes, it's, is, it's, <laughs> it's funny. That, yeah. <laughs> the movie's called Anything for Fame. Visit nfb.ca for... Uh, Uh, information on it and, of course, to stream it. Tyler Funk and Peter Planta. Join me in person here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.